Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Fundamentals Podcast, but this one is Fundamentals by the Fire. Oh, so if you're yeah. Absolutely. If you're joining us on YouTube, uh, you can see what I'm talking about for those that enjoy this in podcast form. Just imagine, you know, me and Pastor Jeff sitting around a nice, cozy, warm fire, and you'll get roughly <laughs> what we've created. <laughs> A mm-hmm. oh, fun little Zoom feature here to mess around with. But of course, my name is Jack. I'm joined, as always, by Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing here? Doing great. It's the first day of school here at uh, Christ, and um, we're excited just to have the kids on campus again, a little liveliness, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a great year. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Our first day is, you know, next Wednesday, we've been doing some of our sports camps here leading up to, and it definitely is exciting getting the kids back on campus and just yep. uh, absolutely ready to go. But also, Jeff, you uh, got installed not once, not twice, not three times, not four not times, thrice. But, but five, <laughs> four times, <laughs> five services, five entire rights of installation. And uh, I crossed my fingers the first four times, but he got me on the fifth one. So well i was wondering officially here yeah so i mean if they do you have like nine lives there so if they fire you one time oh you gotta fire me four more times or something? yeah right. <laughs> yeah i get fired it's uh five times the severance they say <laughs> No, but that's awesome for those that got to see it. It was a a really cool time and it's a a special time. I know you've been there for a couple of years working with Christ, but to be installed, to be their their new pastor on staff there is a a pretty cool time. So uh, Mm -hmm. excited for you in that way. And as you keep uh, adding to the the ministry that's happening out there, we're uh, definitely excited. But now we need you to to learn us something here as we dive back into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Anything you want to do to set the stage before we dive into God's word? Uh, the, the conversation around freedoms and liberties is going to come up again. Uh, but Paul is moving away from, uh, kind of discussions of sexuality and and sexual issues. And so this is a a new issue that, um, the church had obviously, uh, approached him about that he Mm -hmm. is addressing here in chapter eight. Awesome. So let's do it. Uh, in the ESV first Corinthians chapter eight, we'll go with the first three verses to start. So now concerning food offered idols, We know that all of us possesses knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Yeah, so like I said, we're not dealing with sexuality anymore. We're we're getting to this topic of uh, food uh, sacrificed or offered to pagan idols. And the question becomes, is it okay to eat this meat? Is it, is it not okay to eat it? Uh, and what's happening is that part of the meat would be uh, eaten in the temple as like a meal, as like a, a ritualistic meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then part of the meat would be sold in markets after that. So Paul is saying, when he says all of us possess knowledge, he's talking to uh, like those who are more mature in the church they know that there's nothing explicit that forbids them from uh, eating or buying this meat and using it. Uh, and that, that knowledge kind of has the connotation in this context that those who know and, and still practice eating and using that meat because there's nothing that forbids it mm. might have like a holier than thou attitude because they're a little more mature in the faith. And so we'll see throughout this chapter, it's a pretty short chapter, just this concern Paul has for, uh, the immature in faith, those who, who uh, he talks about a weak conscience and that's not like weak is probably not a great way to render that. It's just those who have an overworking conscience or those who, mm. who don't know uh, 
maybe what we know, those who have uh, known Jesus for a while. And so you have to be considerate and care for those people as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty important piece, kind of as I started to dive more deeply in scripture, just kind of how uh, exciting that was for me and the confidence that came with it because of understanding more about our God. But the, the trick there is not letting that confidence be arrogance. And, and our God is so good that he had placed some people in my life that know way more than, than I knew. And so quickly, you know, when my confidence was becoming maybe more towards that arrogance side, uh, I had those around me that were prepared to, to show me all the stuff that even they didn't know yet uh, that I most certainly didn't know and kind of was helpful on that end, but to, to then be aware of those that may be coming along. Because I had yeah. that in the Bible study I was I was a, a part of, and, and a few people there initially were, were starting to get there, and then they they noticed that some seemed to be more advanced than they were, so they thought this was was no longer for them, and mm. so they wanted to no longer be a part of, and thankfully we were able to to have some conversations and reconcile a lot of that, but initially they saw, oh, we're just not as, as good, and, and kind of backed off, which is clearly not what Paul wants to, to have happen. Yeah, and you remember earlier, Paul kind of, um, not mocks, that's not the right word, but he chides the the church in Corinth. Uh, remember, they couldn't uh, make a decision on what seemed like a pretty easy topic, <laughs> and he chides them for their knowledge and their wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is just a reminder. I know for myself, you know, I, I've studied scripture quite a bit, uh, part of it from my theological training, and then just from my personal relationship mm -hmm. with Jesus. But uh it's not that I don't think I don't know anything at all. Otherwise I would not be doing this job. Right? <laughs> that would be a bad decision on my end. But I, I've realized that the more I come to know, uh, there's so much more that I don't understand. There's so much more that I can learn. And then there are things that are just beyond my learning. Mm. And so uh, the things of faith really are only comprehensible by love. And, and it's uh, through love that God kind of reveals himself to us by his spirit uh, and so we need to love God and, and we need to cling to the promise that God knows us and loves us. And, and, and that kind of transcends, uh, mm -hmm. the limitations of understanding that transcends gaps in knowledge. Uh, when we operate within that love for, uh, God and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, then, uh, things like personal liberties and freedoms kind of become a secondhand thing. And we'll see mm -hmm. Paul is going to move to this discussion of like, what was helpful. Remember? a couple of chapters earlier, what's helpful versus uh, what is legal. And, and Paul makes that argument that sometimes it's better to do what's helpful, even if it is totally legal to do the other thing. So mm -hmm. we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But my overall impression of this chapter is uh, don't make a gray thing black and white, right? There are some uh, gray areas of life and, uh, and it's problematic to turn them into black and white issues. It, so you have to wrestle with, uh, this tension of extreme legalism or pietism, uh, and then a complete laissez-faire approach uh, to complex situations. So Paul is saying, yes, you are permitted to eat that food. There's nothing uh, forbidding mm -hmm. you from doing that. Uh, but just because you are permitted, the question you need to ask is whether or not it's helpful or detrimental to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that, that started back in chapter six, if you remember, Jack. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, this is applicable to a lot of different things. You could read this chapter and you'd be like, well, we don't really have that issue today. We don't have a lot of food sacrificed mm -hmm. to idols or, or offered up to idols. Uh, but really this kind of uh, in a broader range, you can apply this to things of uh, Adiaphora, right? Mm -hmm. So you, and um, 
that word, in case you don't know it, it comes from diaphora, which is a Greek word meaning difference. And then you add the a prefix, which just makes it indifferent or uh, indifference. So in our church context, that just means things that are neither mandated or forbidden by scripture. And mm-hmm. my belief is that when we become too dogmatic about these things, uh, when we give them the kind of the wrong priority over other things, uh, we risk alienating, offending, and, and disrupting the peace that we have in our congregations, in our church bodies. Uh, but if we're too dismissive of these things, mm-hmm. right, uh, sacred traditions or, or uh, common practices in the church, if we're too dismissive, then we risk doing the same thing. So you have to be able to live as a Christian uh, in the tension of knowing that we don't always agree on everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when it comes to church practice or, or the way we worship. Uh, but those things, sometimes there's just not a clear mandate in scripture to do things one way or another. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to live in that tension and at peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And I, and I love seeing like the tension that you see, you can even see the disciples wrestling with when they're with Jesus of like, let me keep the kids away from them. Cause they think they're trying to do the right thing. And then Jesus is able to, you know, lovingly scold them and say, you did completely the, the wrong thing as they were wrestling with it. Or when they try to trap Jesus, but for healing on the Sabbath. And he's just like, you know, is it, is it lawful to do good or should, you know, should I just leave these people hanging sort of thing. And, and to be able to kind of put that in perspective. Cause like what you're saying, when you're trying to make some of those gray things, black and white, you're going to be probably correct on maybe say 75, 80% of the situations, but those 20, 20% when you're not, you're going to do some real serious damage because there's going to be stuff you're not aware of, or you're going to be blocking people out. And like you said, it can be huge. And so uh, it, it's tricky, but you see that the, the comfort, uh, the comfort that we need to have kind of in that space. Yeah. And you think of something like uh, the worship wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what the discussion is not, I mean, you, you hear worship words and you think, what a dumb situation. <laughs> but what people are concerned about is that sacred worship is important to the life mm-hmm. of the church. And uh, being mindful of how we worship is really important. There's, you know, there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to how do we approach God? How should we worship God? And taking that stuff seriously. So, like, whether or not you use a drum kit in your worship service or you use the LSB in your worship service, um, mm-hmm doesn't seem like a big deal, probably to a lot of people, probably to a lot of people listening to this podcast. Mm. But then you think about people who grew up with the tradition of using the LSB every Sunday, or they've never had a drum kit in their service, Mm -hmm. or people who come from the opposite end of the spectrum. So it's not, it's not that God is like, going to be ticked off if you don't use the LSB, that's not going to happen. It's more about uh, not being a reason for our brothers and sisters to stumble in their faith, or to just cause unnecessary uh, anger and vitriol over things that uh, we can be flexible about and we can be accommodating about. Uh, And there's a fine line in there, right? You can't accommodate everything. Mm -hmm. There are areas where God says, no, you shouldn't do that. Uh, But it's just learning to live at peace with each other and to strive for peace. uh, Even if it means, and this is a hard thing for us to accept, sacrificing some of our preference, Mm. and uh, sacrificing some of our liberties. That's a, that's a hard thing to deal with. Yeah, it, it really is. But when it comes down to kind of perspective, what's more important where it's just kind of like, is it about what instrument is being used or about what we're actually singing about? And that's kind of what comes down to if, if the content in the song, you know, is poor, if it's just focusing on me or things that are not Jesus Christ and him crucified, then that's a pretty good complaint 
to bring up. And that's right. something that needs to change. If it comes down to, you know, I prefer this instrument over another, that may be a space where God is kind of calling, hey, is it is that particular instrument worth you disrupting peace within your church body or needing to look for a different church body just because of that? Or is that something that God is kind of calling you to wrestle with? And maybe you'll have a growth out or like a growing appreciation for it in the future. Yeah. And I think too often our resolve is to uh, have schisms and to uh, if, if something makes us uncomfortable or upset to kind of um, retreat from those things or break off and to try to find exactly what we're looking for in another place. But, you know, I really believe uh, when you are uh, called to be like a member of a church body, it means wrestling and not always being totally happy, but, but working towards something bigger than your own personal preference. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Let's just keep going. I think Paul has more to say. Yeah. So let's go four through six. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God, but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom all things we or for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. Yeah, so think about Paul's uh, context here. He's dealing with uh, like the Greek pantheon, the Roman pantheon, which are basically the same thing. But he's saying, you know, these gods who these sacrifices are being made to, uh, they have no real power at all, right? They have no existence is the word he uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but they, in that culture, they were, they would have done sacrifices for all sorts of things, uh, right? It was, it was such a ritualistic, uh, really important part of the, the pagan culture, the widespread culture at that time. So Paul is really saying something here, countercultural. Uh, but his point is God has no equal, right? Not other gods, uh, not, uh, you know, these machinations of our sinful minds. Uh, they have no real efficacy, right? They, they can't, uh, they can't raise you from the dead, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, it's God who causes the sun to shine. It's, it's God who causes the sun to set, right? He's, he's, he is the great power. There is no, there's no equal for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not the evil one, right? Uh, yep. The, the devil is not God's equal. They're not in a cosmic arm wrestling match. God has already won, right? Mm-hmm. He's claimed victory. Uh, and uh, so it's not any of the fear we build up in our heads. God is God and God is God alone. And that's, uh, that's kind of Paul's point here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it, it's such strong language, but it's so good. An idol has no real existence. I just simply put, and I mean, like you said, that is a huge statement for him to make, but he very intentional uh, in doing that because sometimes we, we give value. We, we, we place upon value on things that that truly have none. We make them into something, even though they are nothing. Right. We all, we all struggle with idols. Mm -hmm. And, and whereas before we talked about accommodation, idolatry, we don't accommodate at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you see it in your brother or sister's life, you have to speak out against it. Uh, if, if I become, if I make an idol of myself as mm-hmm. someone who's in a pastoral role, I would hope that my congregation rebukes me and calls me to repentance. Or if I make an idol of my money or my mm-hmm. personal comfort or a worship style, I would hope that, you know, people address me on these things. So idolatry is one area where we say, nope, can't have idols. Not, we're not going to accommodate that at all because God is very explicit. Right. Uh, God is God alone. And um, 
to treat anything else, to put your trust, your hope and your faith in anything else is, uh, is sin. Yeah. Oh, a little quick technical difficulties there, but we are back in first Corinthians chapter eight, no longer uh, sitting by the fire. So hopefully we can uh, enjoy the rest of this podcast, but let's get back into it. We are in verses seven and we'll go through nine here. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Yeah. So uh, like I was saying before we got cut off there, uh, I think Paul's point is to say um, this issue isn't really about you. Um, it's not about uh, your knowledge or, or, or your maturation in the faith. Uh, Paul is saying you have to be considerate of those who are in your midst, those young Christians who are coming to faith. So he's exhorting the church um, to not become a stumbling block, right? And and what's the point is that there may be people who uh, believe that by taking part in these meals or by eating this meat, they can somehow worship both Christ and idols, or they'll be plagued with a guilty conscience. And so uh, if they're if they believe in these idols, then they don't have uh, a proper understanding of who Jesus is. And so. Uh, it's, it really, it's not about the food, right? The food isn't the problem. Uh, it's, it's that overworking of a guilty conscience. Uh, mm -hmm. it's that culture of idolatry. Uh, and, um, it's recognizing that some people while they're young in the faith may need that added piety, right? They mm -hmm. may need to, to not have any connection to that old way of life, right? That old culture of idolatry so that they can have a proper understanding of, who Jesus is, uh, his salvation and his grace for those people. And that, um, there really is no power at all in idolatry. And so it's giving them that space and that, that, uh, all the ability in the world to thrive and to, uh, grow in their faith. Yeah. You really want to set them up for success. If they're right. going to get confused by something, then if you can remove that confusion, it is worthwhile to do. Even if you would just say, Oh, that's not a big deal. It can be a big deal if you're saying if they are struggling to to disconnect from the old life to a right. new life. And I mean, we think about if you're struggling with idolatry, you know, you're struggling with sin. And so to have that temptation around is, is a silly thing, just like if you know anyone that is addicted to any sort of substance. I mean, how silly would it be to then place it, you know, in the same area? I mean, you might be fine having a drink of alcohol and it's not going to cause any issues, but someone else the different disposition, it may be a huge deal. And so the easiest solution is, hey, let's just remove that from the equation when we're together. It, it doesn't bring an added benefit to me to drink that, or in this case, to eat that. So I don't need to make any laws that I need to continue to do what I'm doing. And it can be a benefit to you. So I'm going to set you up for success in that way. Yep. And then we'll finish the chapter out here with 10 through 13. For if anyone sees you have knowledge eating in idols temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble. I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Yeah, so difficult words to wrestle with. 
Uh, and Paul is, in my opinion, saying you are your brother's keeper, right? You are mm-hmm. responsible in this body of Christ uh, for their well-being, as much as you're able to contribute to their well-being in faith. Uh, and the language used of, of this, uh, of the person who uh, is maybe not mature in faith, right? This, the weak person is, is the language Paul's use, uh, is um, being destroyed, right? Of, of mm-hmm. uh, not having that faith that, that trusts solely in Jesus Christ for salvation. Uh, and for us to allow that kind of thing to happen is not just a sin against them. Paul says it's a sin against Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to take these things seriously. And I really wonder, and I, I wrestle with myself, uh, how often I have this kind of love for my mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Jesus. Uh, Cause this is a, a bold kind of love. This is that agape love, right? That's mm-hmm. the word that he's using here. Um, and I think, especially for us uh, in the United States, we, we are so often uh, obsessed, right? Unnecessarily. We make idols, I will say, mm-hmm. uh, of our individual inalienable, inalienable God-given rights. Uh, and while those things are uh, true to some degree, and, and we can argue about what those rights really are, and I think they're wonderful gifts from God, uh, we can't ignore the sincerity and the depth of what Paul is saying here. We should be prepared to willingly, right? Not uh, stubbornly and not uh, begrudgingly to willingly surrender certain rights to be part of this family of faith, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. For the sake of the family, for the sake of the body. Uh, And think about the words Paul uses here, right? Especially anyone who's listening from Texas. Think about what he's saying here. I would never eat meat again if I knew it would cause one of my brothers to stumble. How many of us are willing to make that kind of concession, right? For something that we consider adiaphora, uh, mm-hmm. for the sake of another person. How, how many of us are willing to make accommodations for people who may be in a different journey, uh, different part of the journey of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really a, a love that we're called to. And it's a love that we wrestle with because we are so obsessed with, uh, our rights. You know, I think back to the pandemic, I think back to, to people that didn't want to wear masks, uh, because they mm-hmm. thought it infringed on their rights. And, and we can have arguments about that. And I didn't love wearing a mask, but I think sometimes, you know, just like we surrender some of our rights to be in a society in this family of Christ, we surrender some rights uh, for the well-being of our brothers and sisters. And, and that's not easy. And I'm not saying you always have to like it. Uh, but Paul makes it clear that that's that's part of our calling is to care for those uh, who need to be especially cared for. And what a tremendous act of love uh, and, and think how that can truly impact someone that you are willing to burden yourself in that way by give up something that you absolutely do not have to get rid of. It's not going to benefit you at all. However, the benefit is someone else's alone. And, and, and by that, we receive the blessing of the kingdom of God growing and developing and experiencing that, that love. Uh, in that way, God doesn't tell us to do these things so that we lose out on life. However, he just knows that more life will come from right. this, this sacrifice and this love for one another. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, there's no greater love, right, than to lay down your life for your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, no, there's no greater love than to, to give of yourself willingly for the well-being of your brother or sister in Christ. And that's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful love and it does amazing things when we're willing to live that way. And I, I felt convicted reading this passage because there were a lot of times, especially uh, during the pandemic when I wasn't happy with the world, right. I don't think 
any of us wanted to not be able to go to church for a few weeks. I don't think mm -hmm. any of us were happy to be wearing masks in church. But then, you know, my wife kept reminding me that I am uh, potentially protecting someone else. And it's, it's those kinds of things. It, it's these issues where, uh, you know, it's gray, but we risk turning it black and white, where we are protecting someone else who is maybe struggling in faith, right? Don't eat food to idols because you are actually protecting your brother and sister from a guilty conscience or from having, uh, you know, a really uh, crucial misunderstanding of who Jesus is. So we just have to be uh, wary of these things and um, accommodating on these things and uh, willing to to love uh, beyond our own knowledge, right? To mm -hmm. love in a way that that transcends and overcomes knowledge. And, and we know that love covers a multitude of sins. And that's that's really what we bank on. Yeah. And, and remember, as you're doing this, and hopefully we all can kind of evaluate our own lives and see ways in which, I mean, first first thing that comes to my mind is in thinking about this for, for me and my wife, like what are some of the things that perhaps would be helpful for me to, to give up for the benefit of our, our marriage and our son and, and looking in some of those ways? I think there's some opportunities for me to grow and do that. But as you get into it, we want to remember that, I mean, you're likely not going to be thanked for these kind of things because they don't necessarily realize the sacrifice that you're making. And so I just want to kind of let you know that, that you don't, don't expect to be thanked for it, but you can come back to scripture and you can be comforted and you can see that truly Jesus is working through your efforts to love your brother and sister in Christ. Yep. That's awesome. Well, this was a, a good chapter to, to dive into. I like that Paul is kind of moving away and still looking at how we can uh, functionally live our lives, even in the midst of, of that tension and, uh, it's great encouragement for you and I, Jeff, to be talking and going through this together. Hopefully this is a benefit to those that are listening and in your communities is uh, you can always bounce things off each other. When you have situations, we go through life together and kind of yeah. ask how, 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 how should I act in this situation when you don't necessarily know yourself? And uh, it can be pretty great, but I'm excited to continue in the book of Corinthians uh, next week should be fun as we look forward to, to chapter nine, but uh, uh Thank you, everybody. One more thing. Me. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I just, I, you know, as we're reading through this really hugely practical book, I think 1 Corinthians is great for a million reasons, but most especially because it gives us practical ways uh, to think about our life in the church and our calling to the new way of life in Jesus Christ. But underlying all of this is a willingness uh, to be patient with each other, to be patient with people struggling with an imperfect, imperfect world, uh, imperfect natures forced to make difficult decisions. Uh, and I don't, I really don't think our world is going to get any less complicated going forward. Right. Uh, I think we're going to continue to have all sorts of problems, but they're press problems that we can get through, right. As the church, we have a greater power than anything uh, this world can throw at us. So we are, we are guided by Jesus Christ and we are given uh, the Holy spirit to kind of give us clarity in these moments. But sometimes that means having patience and we are so impatient with each other. We are so quick to anger as opposed to being uh, slow to anger, abundant in love, uh, being gracious to one another. So I just want to exhort you, if you were listening to this in every aspect of life, but most especially in the church, be patient with your brothers and sisters, be patient with your leadership, be patient with uh, your school teachers, be patient with um, mm -hmm. your children's school teachers. Everyone is wrestling with someone, something. Everyone is, is, uh, going through difficult circumstances. We may not see it. We may not understand it, but we have to live with this patience that we're called to by the spirit. And so uh, patience is 
is so key and understanding and accommodation. And these are not easy things. I'm not pretending they're easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really don't like being accommodating because I like things a certain way, (laughs) but I just feel more and more as I look at our world and I look at the vitriol that's all over the place that a little bit of patience goes a long ways. So that's my prayer for all of us, Jack. That's my prayer for you and for me Mm -hmm. uh, as I go into this week and wrestle with the reality of being in community with people because people are inherently difficult. Mm. Uh, and I'm difficult. I know I'm difficult. So, uh, pray for my patients, pray for Jack's patients, pray for your own patients and, uh, just a willingness to make peace, uh, with those around us. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you for listening. God bless.